What's up, party people in the house? Let's get this weekend popping right. Welcome back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. We got a hot one for you today. Before I bring my guest on, the message of the week. It starts with a question. It ends with an answer. It's something I've heard my guest say many times, and it's something that he kind of lives by. The question, what is a problem? The answer, a problem is an opportunity. With that, we're going to bring on the king of Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been on Clubhouse so much lately, he won't even do video. That's his new format. <laughs> I right? love it. He's having a little video uh, issue today, but that's okay because I look good today. You guys can't just look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have video in about five minutes, but uh, no problem. No problem. On. Let's get it started. Welcome him back to the show. He was on just about a year ago, right as everything was shutting down. He was one of my first bosses, started working for this gentleman in about 1993. He owns a number and has opened the dozens of restaurants uh, throughout the East Coast. He's also in construction. He has two eight-figure businesses. The Why in Entrepreneurship, Tony D Talks, a.k.a. Tony D Silvestro. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, brother? Great to be here with you. All right. So he's been killing it on Clubhouse. No joke. He's been hosting his own rooms, putting me on the spot. Sometimes I sound like a baboon when he asks me these questions. So I want to flip the script on him today and 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 maybe take some notes. So I sound a little more prepared when he asks me these questions. But he's been very successful hopping in some uh, some big rooms hosted from you know by some some top guys in uh, in coaching and in business and entrepreneurship. And and he's done quite well. We'll hear a little bit more about that later. But to start. I got a question for you, Tony. How do you get 100%? How do I get 100% or 1,000%? Shit, I fucked it up already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm even looking at it. I got it written down in front of me. What the fuck is the matter with me? How do you get 1,000%? God damn it. One day I'm going to get this right. You know, I say say that 1,000% and, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, in business, really, my goal is 10,000% per day. You know, so I'm a person that gets 120 to 150 phone calls a day. So I'm kind of rolling in a million different directions every single day. But, you know, the average person doesn't even know how to get 100 percent done every day. So it's really the art of delegation. Right. And so delegation starts with the right expectations. Right. If you can set expectations for employees, they know exactly what you're delegating to them. And then you give away 90 percent of the one task of the 100 percent. Now you're left with 10. So if I give you 10 tasks every single day. Right. You have to get all 10 done. That's a thousand percent you're trying to get done for the day. You deploy 90 percent of it to 10 people and now you're back to 100 percent. Right. How and that's I, really, that's the key. How do I uh, how do I delegate getting these damn questions right? <laughs> <laughs> it's OK, man. We're getting there. Oh, my God. Um, so delegation is the key. That means you have to build a team around yourself. How do you build a team that is going to help you accomplish all those goals? Well, really, as an entrepreneur, you need to define your systems, right? So we all start a business. We have this great vision. We're going to be the best chefs in the world or the best restaurateurs or the best manufacturing facility. But what we have to do is really take a step back. Um, I had a guy on Clubhouse the other night ask me, he goes, I get the whole make a great system, but how do you even create a system? 
And so I kind of went into him. He's in manufacturing. I said, I said, look, I said, it's about the tape. I said, what tape are you using to seal your boxes with? I said, now that you know the tape, now you have to create the system, how you're going to use the tape. But first, you got to figure out the tape you're using and why. How does that, what does that mean to your brand? So every tape, do you have your logo on your tape? What are you doing with the tape? When, when I open that box, is it a pain in the ass to open it or can I open it easy? So breaking it down to your system to every smallest detail. Then once you have your detail in your system, now you have the ability to delegate. Because if you don't have a system, you can't say what do what I said before. You can't set the right expectation before you delegate. And um, it, it goes back to the, the the question and message this week is is what is what is a problem? And so when you look at it that way as an opportunity. You make everything an opportunity, correct? I do. I mean, I don't. I don't think it, somebody says like, "What's your biggest problem?" I don't. I can't even answer the damn question because I'm so solution driven. You know, that's all I think is where's the solution, and and I'm really bad with excuses because every time somebody gives me an excuse, I think that oh, stop giving me excuses. Give me the solution. Give me the reason why. Right. Right. What did you say? You na- you named the guy the other day, the one of the managers in the meeting. He had a thousand excuses. What did you yeah. do? I said, Mr. Excuses. I said, next week, I'm going to come in with a new embroidered shirt for you. It's going to say Mr. Solution. I said, I'm tired of hearing your damn excuses. I said, come on, give me something. Give me a reason or how you're fixing something. I said, everybody can bitch. Everybody can complain. I said, but the people that create solutions are the people I want to surround myself with. So that's that's key to the the question that I asked. The, the second question was how do you how do you build the team for delegation? You're looking for people to surround yourself with that are going to be solutions oriented. How do you weed through, especially for somebody like you? For those of you who don't know, Tony's got 450 employees at least. Um, how do you how do you navigate those waters and and pick the ones that are gonna that are gonna help you with all these tasks? It really comes down to interviewing, right? So when you interview, you go through your interviewing process, right? What, who, first off, who are you hiring and at what skill level are you hiring them at, right? So I'm all about developing employees and people around me. No different, Jeremiah, when you worked for me a long time ago, how did I develop a guy that was wide open, crazy? I had to come up with a different process on developing a skill for you that worked for you. So and then I also, at that point, had to really determine, are you the right guy? Are you the guy that I want to invest in? Are you the guy that I want to take my intellectual property and use that to help you? I mean, that's a big decision you have to make as an entrepreneur. Like, you know, do I really want to take this energy to develop you? Well, what you showed me from that day one is that, first off, you're coachable, right? Are you coachable? So you really need to determine that when you're speaking to employees. If I'm talking to an employee that's not coachable and he's running over me every time, telling me I don't know what I'm talking about or thinks he's the expert, hey, that's great. You're the expert. Go start your own business. Right. Perfectly fine. But the P to delegate, to, to have the right delegation, you really have to set the expectation of who the employee is and you have to be willing to train them. And because the biggest thing with delegation is people are going to fail. And if you do not allow people to fail, you'll never be a great delegator. And you've you mentioned in the clubhouse rooms uh, this scale you use to determine an employee's value, and it's something you're assessing in the interview process. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So it's a company that I created that we're going to actually take global. It's called Employee Launch. And what this company does is it actually takes you through the process from the very first interview we do with you, and it determines where you are, what level you're at, exactly what it's going to cost me to train you all the way through the entire process, all the way in the upper management and C-suite levels, right? So, but the thing is most training programs last 
probably eight to 18 weeks, something like that, when an employee comes into a business. Realistically, so what our, our system does is you actually train for 52 weeks a year. Your training never stops. It's truly a communication tool for training. And, um, and that's one of the 97% of people leave the business when they leave. One of the top things they will always say is I was never trained properly. It's fascinating that people only, tra- I mean, I, I, I have people that have worked for me for five years and I still feel like every day we're training. Right. But it's, it's different. It's different from training them in the kitchen, Jeremiah, to sitting them down and actually doing a detailed training process. Right. So we have these upper mobility charts that we sit with our employees every day until a level four employee that where they're trained. Right. Once they hit a level four employee, then we're constantly training them beyond that point going forward. So can you can you talk about this number system a little bit more? One to is it one to four? Is that how you right? Uh, so yeah, it's like level one to four, and four goes to four point nine. You know, four ten, and um, there is really if you're hitting a level five, you're typically at the owner level or at that piece right where you're at the pinnacle. Um, but what it does is level one is a brand new employee, basically that doesn't have a lot of skill, is entry level, and then level four would be a fully trained employee. So. Our goal is to, if I come into your company, I'm going to help you build your system around level fours, right? So I'm going to say, okay, Jeremiah, give me your best cook. Or I'm going to ask you as the owner and say, hey, Jeremiah, define what a level four cook would mean in your Indela. And now I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to devise an entire system. But it's not only that. Then it goes into scheduling. It goes into turnover. It goes into evaluations. It goes into pay scale. I mean, it's very, very in-depth. And the other day, um, KPIs came up a lot. Um, and somebody mentioned something about what was it? KAIs, key action KAI. indicators. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, what's your take on on both of those approaches? Do you? Do I mean, I love I love KPIs. I think KPIs are amazing. I use KPIs every single day in my restaurants. My managers, every time they sit down at the table, they better have their KPIs. But the most important part of a KPI, key performance indicator, right? So, how am I growing my business? What am I doing with this KPI to do? But the biggest part of a KPI that most people miss is the result piece. They don't give you the result. Ah, it's great to create KPIs. We can create 9 million KPIs. Right. But how do you come with a result? Right. Where's the solution? Okay, great. You have a KPI. Now I need the solution. Now give me the result. Right. And that's where the the key action piece, the action piece right there is, okay, what's your solution? It's just a different way to say it. So they're just adding an A in there, but that's how I focus every day. KPI, okay, what's the solution? But it needs to be K-A-I-R, result. And maybe I need to use that, Jeremiah. Let's write that down. This is what I learned the other day. (laughs) K, let's do it. K-A-I-R. Okay. I can't see see that. Cindy D just walked in the house with the solution for the, uh, the computer. Woo! I, she's been listening in on those uh, those clubhouse calls. She I know she sits back there. She won't talk though. No. I'm like I'm like oh, there's just another person I know that heard me fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. It's you funny. never curse either, man. That's kind of funny. What's that? I said you never curse. <laughs> well, not in there, no. But this is my show. I can do what I want. Um, exactly right I, I, I try to i try to be a little bit uh professional in there but it's really funny because the rooms that i the other rooms that i'm moderating and co-moderating in i feel like super strong and i get in yours and i'm like i'm like whoa we're in deeper waters here Dude, you didn't even you didn't even talk the other night i was like where the hell's he at man i was somebody there. else said that to me like man jeremiah was really quiet tonight yeah i was i was i was pretty tired and you even called me out
on at one point you were like can you reset the room and i was just like i was like oh boy where are we at what are we doing um some some of those calls i'm doing there he is hey hold on let me let me um hey Cindy, get rid of the dog please hold on one second jeremiah give me no, 30 seconds no you know what take two minutes we're gonna take a quick break and i'm gonna okay good i'm gonna reset the room when we come back so everybody hang tight we'll be back in just a minute you're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. everybody welcome back if you're just tuning in you're listening to the entrepreneurial web i'm your host jeremiah fox we're keeping it hot here with tony d tony d silvestro also known as the why in entrepreneurship tony d talks and the king of clubhouse i'm gonna get you a shirt right now, man. <laughs> i love it king of clubhouse so uh in the last segment we were talking about how do you give 1000 not 100 percent, 1000 which could in fact turn into 10,000, and it's through delegation and through surrounding yourself with the right people Question number two, 
how do you invest in your employees? And it's good to see your face. I know you're used to Clubhouse these days, but don't be shy. You're a pretty guy. You was a handsome. You was a handsome Italian boy. <laughs> I love it, brother. So investing in your employees, right? So that's so the way I invest in my employees the most is through training them, right? So it's funny when you train with them is a form of communication, right? So the more you communicate with your staff, the more you work with them, the more they feel empowered, right? So it's empowering your people to feel like they're part of something, right? That's how I invest in my employees every day. It's really through communication. It's one of the things I find entrepreneurs are really, really, really bad at. They do not take the time to talk and communicate with their staff. And then they understand, they can't understand why they can't get the results they want because they have not empowered their people around them. And, and this goes down to every level of your management, though. You, if you're not talking with your managers and actually communicating with them, they're not going to communicate with their staff. It goes back to the old dictatorship. You know, I'm 52. So when I started as a kid working, my boss never talked to me. They said, jump, you, you jumped as high as you possibly could. And you just kept going. It wasn't like today. And like, everybody's like, God, I hate millennials. I can't stand them. And, you know, I love millennials. I mean, it's probably my favorite group of people. They've changed my management style completely um, because they all want to know why they want to know the why and what we're doing. Right. And then when you tell one of them, they go freaking tell them all. It's like the amazing, most amazing thing in the world. I tell this person, Hey, this is why we do this. And then they go tell the entire staff. But when I grew up, if a boss told me something that was unique to the brand, I don't want to tell anybody. I'm like, I'm not telling anybody. I'm like, I want to have the advantage over everybody. But they, <laughs> they don't work that way. They want to tell, they share everything with everybody because they all got a trophy. Because so they're all what, it's a bunch of fucking liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but the thing is, though, they all got a trophy on the teams. Thank you. They all got a trophy. So what happens is, you know, when you when you play a sports team, you know, always in my life, man, second place was first loser. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. But second place, that was, oh, we had a great game. No, you sucked. You lost. <laughs> but like the difference is, though, in the workforce, what happens in the workforce, man, is they really start to become great employees because they're team players. They really are. Right. I mean, it's it's funny when you asked me that the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, I've co-signed like leases for like my managers and help them get set up. And it's easy to to answer that question monetarily. Right. Like I pay them really, which all those things are important. But if you're not. I mean, I, I think back to you and, and the way you you treated me as a young employee, as a young employee, like you, you treated me like family. How much does that play into that question as well? Like, obviously, the training is huge. It's a it's a big factor. But, like, there are certain people that you really, like, pulled in and kept them close sure. to you. I mean, that was, it was funny. I just answered that question from that way, and that's not the, the answer you were looking for at all. And I was like, oh. But it, it doesn't matter. So the, what the difference is, though, right? So money does nothing. I, I don't – I can't tell you how many people I've – Help them with a car payment or a rent payment. And I do all this stuff. I bought a guy a house once. Help him. I bought the house from him. And it came turned back around me that I was the heathen. And I made him buy a house. And now he's bankrupt. And it was all my fault. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have to be uh, honest with you. I get more out of employees when I sit down, down with them. And I shake their hand at the end of the night when I'm leaving work. I give them gratitude, man. And they, they leave that night. And they're like, man, this, that guy's pretty cool. I had a cook meeting the other night. Brought all my cooks back. They had made a couple little mistakes. I brought them all the back, man. I just told them about me milking cows in Wisconsin. And we go out to our fields and we find the tomatoes. And I said, everything we do, man, we are looking to make, create the best product for you and make your jobs easier. And the one cook comes to me after he goes, man, it's so unbelievable how much you care about your people. And all I did was have a conversation about 
my core values. Yeah. And that's all I talked about was my core values. And, and the guy was like blown away. Well, it's no different than what you do with a customer, right? Like if there's, if, I mean, you want to talk to as many customers as possible. I remember you on, you know, you coming out from behind the pizza bench and just like going up and, and talking to everybody and shaking their hands. But if like, there's an, if there's ever an issue with the customer, you never like blame them. Right? You listen, you talk to them, you open a line of communication and often that's all it takes, right? They don't even want anything other than like, they want to be heard. And, and somebody mentioned it the other day in the clubhouse room that your, your employees are your actual customers. They are the internal. And your, and your customers are their customers. And, yeah. they, you know, someone was talking about, it, it might've even been you describing like a dining room and a, a server had their section and it was like their mini business. Yeah, the CEO. Was, the yeah, CEO. yes, yes. So go, I was going to go there. Uh, you can go ahead, elaborate with that and I'll, I'll speak to my own experience. So I did a LinkedIn post a couple of weeks ago and just saying, imagine if we could get every one of our servers, any one of your sales, whether in a car dealership, doesn't matter. Imagine if every one of your salespeople were the CEO of your brand. And everybody's like, what do you mean by that? So one of my owners, I took him through this whole process and he had a wait staff meeting and he goes, you're all my CEOs. You have four tables. That is your business. That's your company. I want you to tell me what it costs to wipe it, move it, clean it, take care of every customer. I said, now, now, are you going to try and increase sales? How are you going to accomplish this? And it just blew his staff away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gave them ownership, right? And that's what it is. It's well, you, you always did that with me. Um, and, and it's funny working in, do, do you guys do um, pooled floors for the, for the wait staff? We don't. We don't yeah. anymore. We used to. But you have, yeah. It's funny because growing up and getting into, you know, especially waiting tables early on, we didn't have any pulled floors. And I always looked at it that way. It was like, this is my little mini business, right? It's not a business. You know, you hook up with your bartender, you hook up with your bus boy. And it's like, you know, I'm going to take care of you. And it was this trickle down effect. It was investing in them in a certain way and surrounding yourself with, with the right people. And we would hustle it because there were always some people that were just less eager to be there, you know, and I just left. I just loved commerce. I didn't care about waiting tables so much. I love the game, you know, it just like right. was so inspiring. And then at a certain point it kind of flipped in New York city. I mean, it's like every, every dining room is a pool floor. Oh really? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but so there are pros and cons to both, you know, it depends on the staff that you have. There are some places where it just, it allows bacteria to grow. It's really bad, <laughs> but you can use it to, to really like raise you know, raise all ships, like the rising tide, you know, we'll pick them all up. It just, it's a matter of the approach. Um, yeah, I think it creates a little animosity amongst staff though, because the, the weak link sometimes is, is they're picked on, you know? Well, that's the problem. So one thing that I did at Della was I created a point system very similar to what you have for uh, hiring. Right. So it's like this ongoing thing and it allows for upward mobility um, where each, each front of the house person is assigned a point. Right. And it's, it's a value based off your experience, based off of your, you know, there are a number of things that your enthusiasm definitely play into right. it. Um, and, and it walks <laughs> them all the way up. So like my highest guy, like my highest bartender who could also like run the whole dining room, he could do like, that's somebody like the highest point, like with a 4.9, they can do everything in the restaurant that I can do while it's open and operational besides like the ownership things, you know? So like, does he make I, more money? Yes, he makes it. He it, he makes a higher cut out of the pool because of his oh. point system. Yeah, so, so it's not really pulling then. 
Well, it is. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> it just it just shakes the it 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 shakes the globe up a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's Jeremiah's mind of pulling. That's <laughs> creative, Jeremiah. Well, I, this place that I worked at, uh, like fifteen years ago, did it. They had they had a point system, and you know. There was theirs was a little more cut and dry. It was like uh, busboys made a certain cut, food runners made like a slightly higher cut, servers uh, made another cut, right. um, and and the servers were the highest. Um, and it just had to do with like your interaction with the table. So it was an interaction based uh, system. And right. so I, I just took it one step further to create, I just incentivize, but it was to help build um, to build that team. And yeah, it's, it's great. What allowed me the opportunity to be able to to step away and do, you know, do do other things, which we'll get to in a minute that that help the business grow. Um, any other last uh, thoughts on investing in your employees before we go to our next break? No, I, I don't think monetary. I don't think money um, motivates employees. I really do. I really think it's investing in their intellectual property and making them feel they're part of the team. I Big really time. do. That that's where I think is the key. You know, communication is everything for me. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Let's take another break. I got another question for you when we come back. Hang tight. I'm ready. Well, yeah, I know you are. Man, <laughs> my, my neighbor, Belinda, the other day, she was like, where does this guy get his energy from? She was like, <laughs> I got off the call at like 1230 and they were still going strong. I was like, yeah, man, he's the energizer, energizer bunny. You have no idea. We finished at 130 and I'm like, I couldn't sleep till three and my brain was like, on well, that's fire. the problem, man. I do these rooms that start at nine o'clock, nine 30 at night. And then I can't sleep, but I got to get up at five 30 in the morning. And it's like one 30. And I'm like, like all these things in my head. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I got so much work to do. <laughs> I right. love it. We'll be right back. Everybody. Right. Tight. You're listening to talk radio, NYC uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. 
They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. All right, folks, we're jumping right back in the fire here with Tony D. I got a series of questions for him that he just asked me. I'm just doing, I'm reverse engineering your questions to try to get an edge on these goddamn rooms so I can fucking sound good. So you're not so damn quiet next time. <laughs> yeah, we're going to work that out. Anyways, all right, next up, how important is marketing to a business and how do you assess ROI on your marketing? Woo, where'd you pull that one, bro? <laughs> I love it. So, you know me, Jeremiah, all I do is 24-7 marketing. I just got out of a three-hour marketing meeting. You know, but my biggest problem with marketing is over the years, over 30 years, is really understanding, am I I saving money? Am I making money on my marketing? Right. You know, because I can't stand it. You do Valpac and you do direct mail. Do you know what the average rate of return is? 10% or less? 1.2%. 1.2? That sucks. How is You've been doing this for a long time. So you're like pre-digital, like print material, billboards, like you've been at it for a while. So you can speak to, to the uh, <laughs> validity of this. And about 15 years ago, I went, 10 years ago, I would say I went to Manhattan. I spoke in front of like 4,000 people about how digital marketing is the new thing. It's going to be 90% of your business. And I'm up on stage and, and uh, I'm standing on stage and I'm like, phone books are done. And everybody in the audience is like, no, phone books are not going away. There's no way. I'm like, phone books are done. I mean, these millennials don't even know what a phone book is, right. first of all, right? So, But the thing is, now I truly believe that not, it's not just digital, right? So people still love having something in their hand. They still like to physically see something. That's why billboards are still there. Or, you know, so right. what it is, is how do you monetize your marketing system, right? How do you actually create business from your marketing? The thing is, is now AI technology is amazing, right? So we're finding that AI technology is finding what people are, where they're at, what are they looking at? And when you test it, so when you run like Facebook and Instagram now, you can actually, I use a company now, they run tests to see. I run an ad for three months and I say, okay, how many people actually looked at that ad? And I'll run a series, eight different ads, and I find out which one people has it resonate, and then I hit it 9,000 miles an hour. Right. I hit that specific ad. So it's really, the, the beauty of what's changed is we can really, we know what consumers are looking at now. I know what kind of underwear they buy. What they, I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So if you've ever done that analysis or had somebody do it for you, it's sick. You don't even want to know this information. I know, but then I you start you start going into like geofencing and like geofencing was hot two years ago. It's the biggest waste of time for me. It doesn't work unless it's in a very specific area. If people are sitting in Madison Square Garden and you can geofence them to come get a drink afterwards, that's, that's great. If they're, in, if they're captivated in one area. But really, when it comes down to marketing, then you really have to track your numbers. I don't do a piece of marketing unless I have a code on it, something that I can actually track it. 
like billboards are extremely difficult, right? Unless you're putting out a specific message, like um, in Philly, they had uh, a billboard. It was like, I hate Mr. Stevens. Mr. Stevens is a jerk, right? And he put it everywhere, all over his billboard. He's like a mortgage guy. But what he did was he created traffic because who the hell is this guy, Mr. Stevens? It was the most brilliant billboard I ever saw. But he was creative, right? All he yeah. wanted to do is create traffic. Man, they had to Google it because this guy, who the hell puts this shit up here? Yeah. And it was just awesome. But, you know, it's really looking at marketing. Marketing is tough and marketing is really hard right now because it's changing so rapidly. Like I'm 52 doing TikToks and like I just created this new thing and I'll share it with you right now. Every Wednesday, I'm going to be shooting a video in my restaurant. Uh, it's going to be Why Not Wednesdays, you know, Why Not Wednesdays. The digital the digital and, version and Tony D talks, but I'm going to be breaking down every aspect of my restaurant, whether it be pasta creations, whether it be my servers and what is creating an experience. I'm going to talk about this every Wednesday. I'm really just going to make my whole restaurant live and really showing yeah. them who we are. But um, you, you said it the other night, like it's, it's negligent to open a business, to start a business without a marketing budget, like out of the gate. Like, oh yeah, you, you can't, you shouldn't even open. Right. Like there are a lot of people, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself, just like opening the doors, winging it and just being like, hey, let's see what happens. <laughs> There's a difference though, man, right? You, so you're part of your marketing in Manhattan or Brooklyn is you have this captive audience above you and all right, of Right, right. True. But it still can bite you in the ass big time. And, no and, and the failures definitely came down to the, a lack of marketing, <laughs> a lack of assessing uh, any marketing we did, a lack of training, <laughs> A lack of delegating. I mean, like when you're telling me these things, it's like, that's why I don't have that business anymore. Right. You know, and the reason I have the ones that I do is not so much a result of that. I'm learning it now. It has more to do with uh, the value system and just wisdom. Like, wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, uh, so what you're talking about with marketing, right? So most businesses, when they open up, they're underfunded. Yeah. Almost 98% <laughs> right. are underfunded. And the problem is, there, <laughs> God, me too. <laughs> in '93, I opened with sixty thousand dollars, and you know, had no right to do that, and almost lost my business five months in. But yeah, you know, that's what happens. But the thing is, though, that's how you get if, better. <laughs> if I'm coaching entrepreneurs, we want every young entrepreneur not to make the same mistakes we did. Right. We did. We don't want them to hit the brick wall that's behind your back. We want them to hit a wall with a mattress that's softer, that's lighter. Right? How can we help them do this? And that's really my drive in my life is really to help young people. And what's crazy, Jeremiah? It's not just like new entrepreneurs these are businesses that have been in business for 10 years that i'm mentoring now that still don't know these things and it's crazy and they're suffering and you know what they have jeremiah they have a job they're working in their business and the other night on clubhouse we talked about that lady you know she's in her business said what's my business worth i'm like well how much i said if you left your business tomorrow would it survive and she's like well sort of I'm like, then you're working in your business instead of on your business. Yeah. I said, your business is worth a lot less money if you're the one that has to work it. Yeah. And, and I want to save that. I've got another okay. question pretending okay. that for the end. Let's go back to marketing um, and, and, and particularly the ROI on marketing. So you've got, um, you've got organic social, you've got paid social, and you can get pretty good stats on that. It's funny. I had a guy in the restaurant. He's a local guy. He worked prior to the to uh, the shutdown. He was in digital um, with the Discovery Channel. Okay, and he particularly had transferred into the YouTube only creation portion of the uh, of the uh, the network, and they got great analytics on like they were. You know, he was telling me, you know, we used to do half uh, thirty minute 
pieces for YouTube. And we got such good analytics that like nobody was watching past 15 minutes. Yep. So for the same amount of creative budget, we could make two episodes instead of one. Right. And you could see, you know, just they got everything. But his dad, and this this guy's probably, he's a few years older than me. He's probably like, you know, 47 or something like that. His dad was also in marketing like when he was a kid. And his dad started when it was like radio and television. And his dad used to always say, we know 50% of marketing works. We just don't know which 50%. So <laughs> they were constantly growing this money up. Um, what are other ways you assess uh, your your marketing and, and the ROI on it? And what what where's like a sweet spot for somebody that's got a budget? Say they've got like a two thousand dollar budget. What what should they look for like monthly um, for for the ROI on that? What are, what are some of the key indicators for that? You know, if you're getting ten percent off your marketing, you're doing phenomenal, and I think you can actually increase it more, right? So if I do a static ad versus a video, I'm going to get 600 times more people opening that video and seeing that than I am a static ad. So I would invest a lot of your money in video and really going back to the roots. What's kind of strange is marketing's kind of taking it going backwards. It's like, you know, word of mouth. But the cool part about it, we have a system that we can do word of mouth to the masses, right? So how are you doing that? So how are you creating that revenue? You know, and you have to always link revenue to sales, right? It's always top line. If I'm doing a marketing, I need to be able to know I did this marketing, increased my sales by 10%. I increased my sales. If you don't know those numbers, why are you marketing? Why are you even in business? Right? So how do you, how do you assess that? What are, what's one, what are a couple of ways that you or your company or people that work for you dig in and figure those, those numbers out? So actually, I mean, I use a pretty sophisticated um, system called Drive Social. They do all of my Instagram and Facebook marketing. But then any other piece of marketing I do, I put codes and brands on everything. But I also know, say I want to do a campaign that's creating, a, increasing one part of my business, say delivery service, right? right. So I want to put out ads that are specifically driven to delivery. And then I watch my numbers every week. Say, hey, is delivery up or delivery not? So now I have a a guerrilla marketing, right? So we're delivering uh, flyers down to businesses all over the place right now. So, but what I do is I track the who I go to. I write down every single person where I dropped off. And then every week I say, okay, how many of the people that I dropped off 100 flyers, how many people ordered out of 100 flyers? It's not... This isn't brain surgery, right? But what I do is also then I, I calculate the average, the total sales for those flyers. And then I'm able to track and say, okay, I increased revenue by this much with this action. So you're saying like the flyer had a code on it. Flyer has a code right. on it. So you always, always, yes, always. Understand. Otherwise you just, I hate to say it, but you're like pissing in the wind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't know. That's why I was asking that. Like, so, so you're doing, you're doing print material with flyers. You're doing... Uh, social ads. What are some of the other ways? Uh, what are some of the other paid advertising you're doing? Not, we, not what's that? We e-blast. Okay. We're doing e-blast wherever we're in sponsored events. Like say we were in the ballparks. We do all that in the ballparks. Every single ticket has a code on the back of it. We have bounce backs that are coming back. We put flyers on every piece that we send out with bounce back or a code on it, promoting something new, a new menu item. We have uh, QR codes that we're using now right. that is giving people all kinds of information. Like we have this new QR code we just developed. It's giving them, it's like opening a whole website of stuff that they can actually track and actually comment on. It's really, really cool. So um, how do the bounce backs work? Same thing. It's just, it's got a code and identical. 
yeah. identical, but right. So when I do a bounce back, I'm going through my menu and right. What is my best contribution margin? Right. I'm not going to put like the highest, like I'm not going to put bone in wings, which are killing us right, right. now. I'm going to put boneless wings. There's 17% food cost versus 52% food cost. So it's not just me. I was like, we bought wings the other day and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it a, just, dollar, a dollar a wing almost. That just jumped up big time. Yeah. I was like, something's not right here. But it's also knowing so when you're marketing is making sure that you're marketing profitable items, right? right? But also there's a loss leader, right? So what are your loss leaders, right? So if I can buy, say you go and buy a pallet of two liters for for like, you know, 20 cents, then put it on there, give away free two liters, but you're getting them to buy. Say, hey, I got a chicken marsala for $24, but I'm going to give you something free with it, you know? So that's what it is. So how to, now we've talked a lot about the restaurant, uh, but you also have a very successful construction company. How does that translate to that? So it translates the same exact way, right? So that you have to have integrity, right? And it, in my construction business, right? So if I have homeowners coming in, they walk into any of my construction business, it's the marketing. The marketing piece is kind of different there, right? So yeah. I'm first off, I'm marketing with my integrity, my cleanliness, my job, the craftsmanship of my work. So when you walk into any one of my construction companies, I mean, I have 15,000 square foot house and building, 10,000 square foot and 8,000 right now. But when you walk into any one of my construction jobs, it's pristine clean, right? There's nothing on the floors. The craftsmanship that people are seeing. I've been shooting a couple of YouTube videos. I'm showing people what I'm doing and I need to do more of that actually. But what's happening is I can't even advertise in my construction company because I have 15 jobs going. I'm way too busy with right. it, you know? But what it is, is that's that was like um, just like a hobby for me on the side, but it's become an enormous business. But um, it's and like is- the, the side hustle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you just do that. It's an eight-figure side bustle, but <laughs> um, and, it, and is it mainly uh, residential, single-family residential that you're doing? No, I do commercial and residential. Right. I'm just a big realty office, just rebuild all that out okay. for them, and then I'm building um, some medical office buildings right now. So I'm doing a bunch of stuff. So really cool. But you know, but marketing-wise for real estate, like I won the best. I built an ICF home, which is a concrete home. Yeah. I won. I won the best ICF home in the world last year. My my the house I built. So like out of yesterday and out of nowhere, this guy calls and, hey, I saw that you won the best ICF home. Can you build my 10,000 square foot house? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I never say no, you know, <laughs> right? You know, but it's kind of crazy, right? So marketing there, I win a contest because of the integrity of what I'm doing and the quality and the craftsmanship. I win this huge reward, award in Vegas last year in front of a thousand people. I'm sitting next to builders been building these types of house for 30 years. They're like, how the hell did you do it at your first house? I said, it's just because I'm disciplined with what I do, but that's my marketing right of course so, right of course. So it's a, this house will be a six hundred thousand dollar profit for me you know just building one house and and but it's because of the integrity of what we do so everything people do in business you know you have to be able to back your marketing up and you know we go into the three pillars on tuesday night a lot it's really knowing your brand and using your brand and making sure your marketing is on point compared to what your brand is and and that came up the other night too like don't market market something you can't follow through on like Without a doubt. you will get exposed super quickly. So you have to make sure that that's in check. And, then- and it's funny. We're talking about clubhouse, right? And there's all these people on clubhouse that act like they're experts. They don't know shit, dude. And it's like crazy because, you know, it's knowing what you do. I mean, people are like, how can you talk about anything in entrepreneurship? You're, you're talking to people with 50 different kinds of businesses. But I said, when you're in the trenches and you've actually done business, you can actually talk about business. Yeah. What we realize every day, we're all in the same exact business. Every one of us, we're all in the people business, right? It's 98.6 degrees. I say it all the time. You right. know, what is your problem? <laughs> your problem, I guarantee you, will be 98.6 degrees. But it's an opportunity. 
Until until robots start buying shit, right? Right. <laughs> hey, it's coming. It is. All right. One more quick break is coming, and we'll come back with the last question of the day. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks brother. Out, everybody. Yeah. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. everybody we're gonna wrap this one up talking again with tony d i'm trying to reverse engineer all the questions he asked me on clubhouse so that i can sell you you better bring it on this last i know man jesus christ all right you alluded (laughs) to it you alluded to it earlier and i just wanted to bring it in um especially because we were talking about how money isn't really the motivator for people why should a business scale why should a business fail scale Scale. Oh, all these things a... lead. All these things lead to scale. Marketing and tr- investing in your employees. Delegation. Why? If, if, and, and you pointed out, you know, and, and I, I agree, it's true. Like, you know, millennials in particular, who are a huge part of the force and growing, um, like, why, why scale if if they don't necessarily want uh, if they if money is not the main motivator? Well, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, love what you do, but. You, it's not really about loving what you do. It's more about, do you love business? Do you love being in business, right? Because we can all go get a job and love what we do. You could love cooking and just be a cook the rest of your life, right? right. But do you love business, right? So me, I love what I do physically every day. I love managing people, but that doesn't mean I'm a manager. I love business. I love the art of business, the art of succeeding. And that a scaling isn't necessarily for everybody, Jeremiah. Like you've got to love business and want to scale. 
but it's perfectly okay. Just because somebody owns one business for 40 years, I love that. I love the fact that they found their niche and they're working in their business. But the lady the other night on Clubhouse said, hey, how do I sell my business? Now that's a whole different conversation, right? Are you scaling your business? Do you want a franchise? So another lady last night was asking me about franchise. How do I franchise? Well, you're out there delivering beach chairs on the beach. How are you going to franchise your business if you're actually the person delivering the chairs? So scaling a business is great. Like, you know me, I'm all about scaling everything. But you truly have to get your systems in place before you think you can even even talk about scaling. It's not even possible to talk about scaling unless you are a systemized person. It's process and procedure. So this came up the other night, and you guys might have continued once I got off the call, but uh, systematize your systems. What does that mean? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you you have systems, right? But you have to make sure they work. Right. You just can't have a say, oh, I have systems. Oh, that's great. You have systems. But do they work with the people that you're working with? Can you actually articulate that to an employee that you systemize what you're doing? Because it doesn't matter. You as an individual, Jeremiah, if you were a sole entrepreneur, you sure you have systems. But how good are they? Can you put 50 people around you that can run that same exact system? So you have to systemize it. You know what I'm saying? So it works for other people. (laughs) Need a coach to coach. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, so how many, how many people coaches have coaches? They do almost all of them. All of them that I've talked to. Um, so it comes down to communication, essentially, like your ability to communicate the effectiveness of it and your ability to communicate it to other people to, to really prove it's, it's, it's potential and it's worth. So it's delegation, right? It's effective delegation It's effective communicating. I mean, the, the principles we're talking about in business really aren't different, Jeremiah. Right. It's all pretty much, it all links together. But if you miss one piece of that link, you're going to fail. It's going to miss. You know what I'm saying? Because you're missing something because you can't expect, your expectations of people have to be realistic too. And that's another piece with setting a system, right? So I could have this great system or this great process that I think every employee should go, why not? I, I made the process. Everybody should be able to follow this. But really setting realistic expectations for every single employee is critical. You know, and then then you work on upper mobility. But you have to establish that you can accept the, their 100% is their 100%. It's not your 100%. Jeremiah, you're a passionate person. You think everybody should work as hard as you. And why can't you do this? But it's not realistic, right? Yeah. So, But what you can do is once you establish somebody's 100%, now you can build. Now you can make a difference in your brand. And that's what systems are, right? So you have to set realistic systems, right? So my problem, one of my biggest problems is I set these high, crazy systems. And I don't understand. I couldn't understand them when I'm in my 20s, why nobody can follow these systems. I had to almost bring them backward, back it down, or create five systems in one system and start, you know, breaking it out a little bit and chunking it so they could actually follow. Uh, Here we go. That word comes back. Chunk. Chunk it, baby. (laughs) Chunking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I remember those days. I remember, and, and like you said, I mean, it, I caught the tail end of the old school and it was like, you know, your employer says jump and you say, okay, how high? And I remember like other people being like, this guy's out of his mind. And I was like, I don't know, he's pretty cool. <laughs> like, this is, this is fun. I don't know about you guys, but, but I'm right. going to go down the rabbit hole. Um, so essentially, you know, scale is for people who want to do something more than just work at their business their whole life. If they want to have, I mean, you still need a lot of these things, but it's essentially for people with that, that have higher ambitions than just having their their one shop and, and working it for their whole life. But there's two different things of scaling, right? So if I'm a manufacturer and I'm scaling, right? And I can scale within my own business 
or I can scale right. multiple businesses, right? So I think entrepreneurs, no matter what, you should always be looking at scaling in one form or another. It doesn't necessarily mean I want to open up 10 manufacturing places in 50 right. states, right? But how do I scale my own business to be more efficient? Or how do I scale my business that I don't have to work in my business every day? How do I scale my business so I can train a manager to be able to run my system? And that's what it is. And I talk a lot about working in your business or on your business. It's a very common thing you'll hear coaches saying to people, hey, are you working in it or on it? You know, or can you see the forest through the trees? You know, you, if you're stuck in the middle of the forest, you can't see the trees, you know? Yeah. So that, that's, go ahead. I was going to say, that was, that was the answer I was looking for. Like, it comes down to, if it's not necessarily monetary or multiple businesses or multiple locations, it's about time. It's about your that's time. That's the precious thing we have. And it, and it seems to me, like talking about millennials, that's a big, that's a big factor for them. Like they want more time. Like you guys, like you and I, we were like 80 hour work week. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) I don't care. You know, still, I just doesn't even bother me, but that's, that's huge currency. And 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 that's something like even inter business you can teach, which will help all the, uh, all the bells and whistles to get rung. You know, when I was younger, Jeremiah, I thought if you weren't working 100 hours a week, you're lazy or this or that, you know, and, and you start to realize as you get older, hey, work smarter, not harder, right. you know, and sometimes I probably should have listened to a lot of those things when I was young, because today, even though I mean, I'm working much smarter in individual businesses, but now I just have six or seven different businesses. And I so I take that delegation 10%. So I'm, I have 10 businesses, and I'm 10% in each one of them. So but that's just how I'm built, right? So that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But if somebody can do their job in 40 hours or 50 hours and do it better than me because they're actually using systems and processes and procedures better than I am, then God bless them. Yeah. They're smarter than me. It's a wonderful thing. I'm still trying to catch up, but uh, <laughs> keep doing them clubhouses. So tell everybody uh, your clubhouse schedule, the room. And any other things you've got going on? we got about two minutes left. So you got Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm on uh, Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. Um, I always kicking in business fundamentals and really trying to help entrepreneurs, whether it's a startup or a 30 year business, it doesn't really matter to me. I just really, my goal in life is to do that. I'm actually starting my own coaching career and I'm trying to actually figure out the name of that right now because I do so much and I have a wealth of information. So to put it into one sentence is a little difficult for me, but really it's about really going into those business fundamentals and looking at the basic process of your business to make you more successful. Um, and, uh, I, I just wanted to note for everybody listening, like when you come into Tony's room, he's not at the top preaching down. Tony pulls everybody up. Like everybody gets multiple opportunities to speak, which is why your rooms are like four hours long. <laughs> but you do a great job of really, really like just asking everybody, engaging everybody. Um, and it's it's been super eye-opening for me. And Awesome. Uh, yeah. So you guys check it out. Uh, if you're yeah, Jen Schratweiser texting me, I got to check out his room, but I only have an Android. And I'm like, God damn it, get a fucking, like borrowing your kid's iPad, something. Come on, like stop with the excuses. And you better talk more next time you're in my damn room. I'm now, you know? I'm, no, now I'm pumped up. I've been taking notes. I've been writing stuff down. You're like a possum. <laughs> I was there, but it was just like, I like sometimes I, it's just like, I'm listening to all these other people and I'm like, and you asked me to think about scale and it's like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> And like, literally, like what Garrett the other night, he was like, man, I just put food in my mouth. Like you catch me the same way. Like I'm, I'm doing something like I'm wiping, I'm wiping Naya's ass or something. And you guys, 
hatred. I'm like, and I don't want to be like, oh, I got to give an excuse. Like, I don't know. Like I'm wiping my baby's ass. I'm just like, oh, this sucks. You should have said that. But as one of my guys said, man, that guy Jeremiah was really quiet tonight. <laughs> next time, next time I'm going to kill it. I love it, man. I love it. All right. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Hey, Thanks again for sure. Always a pleasure, man. Oh, you look good right too, man. You look a little clean cut now. It's a little bit, a little bit. It's my COVID cut. I love it. <laughs> All right, brother. Be good. Thanks, you too. Thank you, everybody. We'll check in with you next week. Have an awesome weekend. Peace out. Woo-hoo. See ya. Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 